good afternoon, everybody. It's 3.15, live worldwide on Periscope. You are watching and listening yet another edition of Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. My name is Mike Cisneros, your host for our very special edition that we're having today. And joining me, as always, is the gnarly gnome. Gnome, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, just a full disclosure, Tina Cisneros is not here today. She is on assignment, uh, but she will be back with us next week on our 25th episode. A lot more about that uh, a little bit later. But right now, uh, we are coming to you live from the Jungle Gyms Cigar Festival in Fairfield, Ohio at the massive Jungle Gyms complex out here. So kind of a home game for the Gnarly Gnome, being this is part where you hail from, sir. It is. I uh, spend a lot of time at the tasting bar inside. <laughs> you you don't actually live here. It just seems like you do. Oh, I've got a cot in the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so you may ask yourself, what is a craft beer podcast doing at a cigar festival? And the very simple answer to that question is both myself and the gnarly gnome among our many bad habits that we count uh, along with craft beer is a, a love of fine cigars and when we first started doing this podcast uh, gnome you and i talked about doing a cigar show and i can't think of any better place to do it than uh, at the jungle gyms annual cigar festival no this is the biggest cigar festival I've ever seen or heard of. So there are vendors from I don't know umpteen. Do uh, you got a number? Uh, I do not um, have a number. Umpteen vendors. I see boxes and boxes of cigars stacked up. I would imagine they're doing pretty good deals. So if there's, uh, if 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 there's, uh, if you were interested in stocking up or anything, there's still it still goes on till about seven. Goes on till seven tonight. Uh, so. Tonight and let me tell you something. Uh, we were uh, uh, very kind enough. Um, we were very uh, fortunate to uh, be given a um, a package of these cigars, and let me tell you something: for four, for well, it's fifty dollars now at the door at the door, right? Fifty dollars at the gate. But I'll tell you, for fifty dollars, you get ten cigars. Plus, there was a cutter in there, a nice box of matches uh, of the long matches, uh, a sample, uh, actually a full size bottle of butane for your lighter, and a free beer um, ticket. A free beer ticket, which uh, we're partaking of right this minute. And um, let me just run it down for you. Uh, there's a, uh, of the 10 cigars, uh, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven are Robusto sizes, but you cannot go wrong with a uh, Flathead Sparkhead 450, uh, an Oliva uh, Connecticut Reserve in the freshness sealed package, uh, a Kentucky Fire Cured um, uh, from Drew Estate, uh, a La Jugada Habano, uh, all these are lighter, um, lighter wrapper cigars, a Project 805 Andulo, uh, a Gurkha Royal Challenge, which is a fantastic cigar, an Asylum Number 13 that uh, looks like a Lancero, and uh, we will be uh, meeting with, uh, from CLE uh, Asylum uh, Cigars, we will be meeting uh, in just a few minutes with uh, Tom Lazuka. He's going to join us. He's the uh, CLE Asylum rep. They are also the ones that make that big seven- Seven by seven. Yes, <laughs> that thing is ridiculous, man. I think we're, I, I, we're going to be talking about their uh, their dragon's milk cigar. Yes, they yes. Do. He, they do a uh, they do a uh, one that's made to be paired with dragon's milk, uh, and he's going to uh, we're going to discuss that. Uh, also, a BNL Lawless, uh, a Roberto Duran um, Torpedo, about six by uh, fifty six, and uh, the one I can't wait to get my hands on is the Romeo and Julieta uh, Romeo Añejo. So 
10 cigars for now $50 plus a drink ticket plus a little bit more swag. Uh, and if you come out and see us uh, and answer our question of the week, which we will talk about later as well, uh, we, we just might have a free T-shirt and maybe a couple other things for you. So, uh, so very exciting. Um, Jungle Jim's has had a has, has had a cigar humidor for, for, for many years. They put together their uh, store out in Eastgate as well, which is where the Brewcast Studios are, and uh, and it, it's it's just a fantastic experience with everything else that they've got to come and, and buy a cigar at uh, Jungle Jim's. Well, and every week on Thursdays they do a cigar night, a cigar tasting, where a different rep will come in and they'll you know, bring a bunch of cigars and raffle stuff off and. You get you know kind of a tight knit group of people that are there every week, and um, it's a blast. It's there's nothing like Jungle Gems as far as craft beer and cigars go. Well, and also is going to be joining us here in about ten or fifteen minutes is Lee Weiser, the uh, Fairfield Jungle Gems Humidor Manager. So, but you can hear a lot of music and stuff in the background. There's probably at least two three hundred people here walking around inside the Snake Building here at Jungle Gyms. They've got uh, it, it, they've got some Harley uh, Davidson motorcycles lined up. They've got the uh, Old Smoky Moonshine. Um, the the Brewcast part of Cincy Brewcast <laughs> is uh, is not of the uh, is not necessarily of the craft beer quality that you might expect us to drink. It's a, it's, I it's, think Yingling is still technically craft. It, it's a Budweiser it? show. It's Yingling beer. We're, we've got oh. our hands on the everybody Yingling on Periscope. Everybody on Periscope can see the big Bud Light ad right yeah, in the front yeah, and center. Yeah, so. we've Sorry, got, Periscope. We've got a, We've got a Yingling black and tan in front of us, and I got to tell you, it is not the end of the world. Uh, we knew today's show was going to be more about cigars, really, than beer. Uh, and of course, uh, Jungle Gyms has constraints with their sponsors, which we totally understand. We still wanted to be a part of it because, again. Gnome and I are big cigar fans. We got a beautiful uh, gift package of 10 cigars. Uh, and you can't and deny, in a bigger sense, what Jungle Gems has done for craft beer. You know, even if this is not a craft exactly. event, it, yes. this is definitely a craft store. So, And, uh, you know, I would argue, and of course we can discuss this both with uh, Tom and with Lee uh, when they come and join us a little bit in a few minutes, uh, that um, maybe cigars are the ultimate craft product i mean they are you know there's in in the finest in the best cigars which is what we like to smoke within reason uh there is no crappy ones sometimes yeah there is no machinery there is no i mean they're hand rolled many times they're hand picked they're hand cured the tobacco is hand picked it's placed in barns it's 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 cured it's watched by people constantly until it gets the right moisture level until it gets the right fermentation to get the flavors that are desired out of the certain tobaccos and uh, then generally uh, most of the cigars that i smoke are hand rolled and and, and so it is really maybe you know aside from maybe i don't know gibson guitars and and you know your grandfather you know spinning a table leg out on the lathe maybe one of the and that's even machine so one of the last really handmade products uh, in the world well when you hear the process with some of these cigars especially talking about this dragon's milk cigar the process that they go through with all this it's i mean it the dragon's milk cigar is tied into craft beer like you wouldn't believe and i'm sure he'll talk about the process that they go through a little bit with uh Infusing those, and, and and in front of us as well. Uh, again, courtesy of the gnarly gnome and and your your father, right? Um, he put us he hooked us up with a uh, Perdomo uh, cigars has just come out with a 
craft series cigar. Um, and what we have in front of us is the uh, the amber, the the the, um, the amber, the sun grown, I believe, is what sun grown wrapper. It looks like a beautiful cigar, uh, uh, Gordo uh, size. So you're talking about a about a sixty, 60. ring with a uh, about a six five and a half six inch six uh, inch I believe six inch. Um, um, it's got a um, a Cuban seed sun grown wrapper. Um, and then lots of Nicaraguan tobacco for the binder and the filler, and um, nice smooth from from what I've read. I've not tried it yet, so. And we're going to be lighting that up in a minute. And we're going to see how it goes with our yin and, and black and tan. And we're going to see how it goes with our yin and black and tan. It should pair very well. Um, that's one of the things we hear a lot about is 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 a, a lot of people like to pair cigars more with liquor. They think it brings out the uh, subtleties in your, especially your your darker liquors, your scotches, your bourbons, uh, your Canadian whiskeys, and things like that. But as we learned from, for instance, Scott LaFollette from uh, Blank Slate, uh, there are a lot more flavors in beer. And so, in my view, that makes a lot more flavors that you can pick up that are in your cigar that will also be in your beer. I think it requires a little bit of finesse, though, that, that liquor doesn't necessarily have to it. Um, liquor, you can you can almost grab anything off the shelf in a cigar, and it's probably going to be pretty good. Whereas beer, it's got a lot of flavors, but they're subtle flavors sometimes, that it's real easy for either the beer or the cigar to overpower each other. That's what, in the last couple months that I've kind of been diving into this beer and cigar pairing, that I've found is sometimes it's you miss, and sometimes... The, the cigar just destroys the beer, vice versa. So it's well, let's talk about that because you have done some experimentation. I, I've been experimenting by having a beer in one hand and a cigar in the other hand. And, and well, that's my, that's my experiment. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've come up well, with rules. But you've rules. been thinking about it. I don't, I don't think about it. So now one, one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things that we've heard and, and talked about uh, that's been talked about. And today I just did a random search. Uh, online cigar and beer pairings and the very first thing that comes up is um, is is stouts stouts with heavier cigars or darker beers with heavier cigars or you know it, does that hold true is that something that you found uh, in your research that you that that holds true or can, can there be a can there be a, a some play in that in my scientific research yeah that, <laughs> that's that plays pretty true but it um just like you know when you're pairing food with cigars there's the, the rules don't always work sometimes you have to bend them a little bit and you find pleasant surprises in there too but um my general rule of thumb has been to go by the wrapper of the cigar look at the wrapper and base that on 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 how dark of a beer how roasty of a beer you want to pair with it but i mean what have, what have you found have you found something that you prefer or something that, that you that you would almost think of as a go-to where you say well this really worked well together I'm gonna do that again what I have found for me for my palate I tend to prefer the the, the the lighter creamier cigars with whatever beer I'm drinking almost across the board that's the way it works for me but you're talking about getting some of those roasty some of those coffee flavors the chocolate flavors that's gonna go really good with a, yeah. with a stout too. Give me a couple of examples, cigar-wise. What have you? What have you? What have you been smoking? The CAO Colombias are one of my go-tos. It's not a big, robust flavored cigar, uh -huh. but I feel like it doesn't fight some of the beers that I'm that I taste. 
but as we get into the winter and I start digging into some of these Russian Imperial Stouts, um, it's just not going to hold up. I, to well, it. I mean, you talk about CAO. One of the one of the one of the favorite things that I've that I've had is is I, I'm a big smoker. I smoke the MX2 all the time, mm-hmm. uh, the Torpedo, and uh, just about any good stout, you know. But uh, but anything like Axis Mundi from Mad Tree, um, um, it, it goes great with the Mount Carmel. I'm uh, thinking that that, stout. Fib, that Fibonacci stout would um, be really good too. Um, you know, but but yeah, just about anything. I think I've had it with. Um, uh, oh shoot, um, uh, what's the uh, the, the uh, New Belgium, uh, the New Belgium stout, or, or the or the uh, no no no, it's the Deschutes uh, Blackview uh, Porter. Blackview. Yeah, that go, that goes well with that too. So um, anyway, we've got. Uh, I think we've got some folks uh, that are going to come and join us now. Uh, first of all, we'd like to introduce uh, Lee Weiser. He's the uh, Jungle Jim's Fairfield Humidor Manager. Lee, uh, good afternoon, and welcome to Cincy Brewcast. Good afternoon. Cincy Cigarcast. And then also joining us uh, here is uh, Tom Lazuka from CLE Asylum. And uh, welcome to you, sir. If you would like to put the headphones on, you're more than welcome to, but you do not have to. Uh, Lee, you don't get headphones. That's all right. I don't need to hear myself anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I have some. We can set them up if we need to. Um, First of all, uh, Lee, thank you for inviting us today. Thank you for having us out. Um, it's like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you guys enjoyed yourselves. Um, it's, uh, it, these are all fantastic cigars. And, and uh, tell us, uh, I mean, how long have you guys been doing the festival? And um, what is the, you know, I mean, I un- kind of understand the reason behind it. But, ah, oh, lovely. Oh, man. Well, that's a wonderful gift right there as well. I'm holding in my hand, and we'll bring in right now... Um, uh, Tom, Tom Lazuka, is that the right? Is that yeah, the, that's yeah. correct. That's and correct. Uh, he, he has just presented us with two of the Asylum Dragon's Milk cigars, and uh, that of course is a, a collaboration in in a world of collaborations in the craft beer industry uh, with New Holland Brewing and uh, their famous, world-renowned Dragon's Milk uh, beer. And tell us uh, how how something like that comes about. Uh, you know that was uh, a, a very random thing. Uh, I was Which actually, a lot of stuff in the craft beer industry. Yeah, is. I, I happened to be at uh, the Michigan Brewers Guild Festival in uh, uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan, a couple years ago, and, and with a friend of mine, and, and uh, he he called me and said, "Hey, you want to go?" I said, "Sure." So we walked around and we were drinking beers, and he introduced me to the owner uh, of Dragon's Milk, and we were by the booth. Uh, of New Holland, uh, and we were by the booth there smoking cigars, and uh, he, he walks over, and the first thing we thought was, oh, he's going to ask us not to smoke, <laughs> you know, and he goes, uh, uh, but, and, but he walked up to you and said, can I have one of those? It, it's, it, exactly, yeah. and, and so we got talking right away, and, and I said, you know, I have this idea that I'd like to do, and I explained it to him, and he said he loved it, and so we went, I was there the next Monday, I drove out to New Holland. And uh, we started uh, testing and uh, sampling different blends and cigars and, and aging them in the barrels uh, for different periods of time. And, and, and uh, it took us about a year and a half to come out with the blend and uh, to so, get it to where we wanted it. So talk about that process a little bit. We talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, the craft side of cigars and, and yeah. the, the added complexity that you bring in. And, when you're and, and, you know, one of the things we did with this, you know, and listen to you guys earlier, you know, how it pairs with... Uh, like stout beers and things like that. Me personally, I, I think 
IPAs don't pair well with cigars. I just think they're too 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 bitter and hoppy for me to pair with a cigar. <laughs> so I tend to go towards stouts, imperial stouts, oatmeal stouts. Uh, but you know the the process was was uh, a, a lot of fun actually because you know we just started aging and we do it a little bit different or a, a lot different than anybody else. Right. You know most of the companies I see out there today are putting the the raw tobacco in the barrels. And they're compressing them in the barrels, whether it's just a filler wrapper or whatever it is. Uh, they're compressing them in the with, barrels. With beer? Uh, or with, with the bourbons? With bourbons and so forth? With okay. bourbons and, and stuff. Because th- this cigar uh, itself, and I'll get into it a little more, but what they're doing is they're compressing the tobacco, and then they're rotating on a daily basis. So it takes them, it's a lot of manpower and labor uh, over five or six month period of time to get the, uh, you know, the desired effect. What we did is we tried a completely different approach. So, you know, what, what New Holland does when they make the dragon's milk is they actually make their own bourbon also. So they have what's called beer barrel bourbon. And what they do is they take, you know, fresh oak barrels. They age bourbon in them. They pull it out. They put the dragon's milk in it, age it in the barrels. When that process is done, they take the beer out and they put the bourbon back in. So it kind of mixes with the, right, the right. beer. Uh-huh. So that's where they get the beer barrel bourbon from. After that, we take the barrels, we cut a racking system into the barrel. We ship them to Nicaragua, and I age the entire cigar in the barrel. So uh, we can put about three to 400 cigars in each barrel. <laughs> Uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, and they sit, and what, I think the real difference is they get 360 degrees Mm-hmm. around the cigar of absorbing the moisture and the smells in the barrel. So you'll notice with this, it's not overwhelming of, of the beer. The, this whole process was really to make it a cigar that has the subtle flavors. And you, you can definitely smell in the aroma uh, of it, but you'll taste that charred oak. You'll taste a little bit almost like a fruitiness uh, from the beer but it's subtle and you'll have a cigar first before you actually have uh, what you call like an infusion or you know uh, what other companies do so it's really a cigar first uh, I think it pairs great with any scotch or, or uh, I mean bourbon uh, stouts anything like that because it has a nice rich flavor to it but now we talked a little bit about the cigar nights that you guys do here at Jungle Gems and um, a few months back we, there was Dragon's Milk Night with the cigars the bourbon and the, the the dragon's milk beer, and it was that was fun to me to, to, to see how the beer paired with the cigar. Well, we drink tapped, a little bit of water, try we, to we get tapped the, the firkin that night. Yes, so yes, that was a special special uh, very rare yeah. dragon's milk. They shipped it all the way down from the brewery just for that. Yeah, so that was a rare dragon's milk uh, experience. So that that was a great night. And and again, like I I thought the beer paired with the cigar better than the bourbon did personally, because it did they weren't fighting each other. That that beer just kind of kind of supported the flavors of the cigar and the cigar supported the flavors of, of the, the beer and it was it was neat, especially with the firkin because temperature too I think is something that a lot of people don't think about with beer when you're drinking a beer with a cigar if it's an ice cold beer 
it numbs that palate, and you don't get those flavors from the cigar. So Absolutely. The firkin definitely helped. Well, I've lit it, and I've been smoking it here uh, for a couple of minutes, um, and I get a great spiciness, uh, but not overwhelming. And I like what, you know, craft beer fans most of the time seek a balance. We like to have something that's well-balanced. We don't want too much of one flavor. We don't want too much of, of another flavor. Uh, and it's balanced. I get a little of the bourbon. I get a little of, of a hop hop quality to it. I get, uh, and then just good solid. I get some leather notes to it as well. The oak that you talked about it is right right out of the wrapper. You get that, uh, and, and um, it's fantastic. I really yeah. appreciate you guys bringing it by and letting us I've give it a try. It's really fantastic. And even with the black and tan, I have to say, it's, 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 it's pairing quite well. Yeah, and it's funny because the process is really, it's only two days in the barrel. So, you know, a lot of this because it really, in two days, the binder, wrapper, and filler, the cigar is completely absorbed with moisture. Then I have to pull them out and dry them for about a week to get them to a smokable right. <laughs> moisture right. level. Uh -huh. Uh, so it, it really is a much quicker process the way we do it. It, it really kind of gives the desired effect because I did not want it to be overwhelming uh, the, the flavors that were being right. put into I, it. I, you know, there's so many, uh, and, and they're okay in their own right, and I, and, I, and I think there's a place for them, just like there's a place for certain beers and certain craft beers and so forth. But, but some, some of the cigar makers want it to taste like bourbon or taste like rum or taste like something else. And, and it, you know, I'm a big fan. You know, I like flavored beers and fruited beers and so forth and so on, but I still want my beer to taste like beer. I have a general idea of what beer should generally taste like, <laughs> and I want, my be I want my beers to taste like beer, and that's what this does. This is a cigar first, and Correct. then it has the hints of all of the flavors and all of the uh, and, and all of the stuff that you guys have tried to give to it. No, and thank you. That's I mean, exactly that's, what that you know. was exactly the what we were going for. And, and I think you know, like anything, you know, I know you had mentioned a little earlier. Uh, you know, if you have something really spicy, you don't want to pair it with something super spicy because right. it just overpowers right. you. So it, it, you you almost want to have a little mix to to make a balance. You know. As I smoked it again, again, just down a little bit, I got a little bit of like a brown sugar <laughs> sort of a flavor. I think I think that's very, I think that's it's very good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm wishing I would have lit mine up instead of this Perdomo now. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk quickly about that, and you know, uh, Lee, you know, jump in whenever you whenever you like. They've got you've got the uh, Asylum uh, Dragon's Milk. You've got a uh, Perdomo that we've got our hands on here as well. Um, uh, claims it's handcrafted for beer enthusiasts so uh and they've gone through and done a whole bunch of their uh, uh what's that i was gonna say i would love to smoke that cigar it's actually one that we just recently got in do you guys have it in? <laughs> that was that was gonna be my next question <laughs> yeah that one is uh at our eastgate location we finally got that one in and um I would love to talk more on that one, but like I said, I have not had the privilege to smoke Well, I mean, just in a general sense, though, is that something that's that's going to come down the line a lot more is just a, is is not only individual collaborations like you have uh, with uh, New Holland, but uh, but also just generally trying to get cigars that might pair better with beers than. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and how does that all work in, and what kind of you know? I mean, I think it's kind of an interesting sort of topic I, I'm very slow in, in the process of adding more of them because I just I want to make sure it's right you know and, and again 
Uh, Perdomo's done a great job of doing a pairings, uh, you know, with multiple things. I know, you know, Drew Estates has did the Pappy Van Winkle with the bourbon, and, and Camacho has the barrel age that they just came out with. I think Drew Estate has something with um, monk's with blood. beer too. Yeah, the, the monk's blood. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, those are you know, and those are I, pretty rare, I guess. You don't see them those a lot, are, but yeah, uh, they're kind of unicorns. What are the, what are those hops cigars that we talked about a little bit there? Remember those? They infuse them with hops or something. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I saw, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was Ted's that did those. Yeah, right? yeah Ted's. Um, but no, I, I think I, I really, you know, right now I'm working with Brett at New Holland, uh, Brett Vanderkamp, the, one of the owners, uh, w- with a new project. We got a couple ideas that we're doing, and, and you know, our ultimate goal, like I said, is we're we're going to make some uh, some spirits too, and try and infuse uh, cigar tobacco into bourbon. Awesome. Uh, and so we, we, we've got some testing to do when we get a chance to get back together and start putting that together. So that's the whole idea is to put out an asylum bourbon to pair also. Is your so. testing as scientific as mine was coming up with beer and cigar pairings? <laughs> no. Is it just lots of drinking and smoking? Yes. Okay. It's, it's a lo- lots of just throwing <laughs> stuff in and seeing what we come out with uh, <laughs> a few weeks later, a month later. So one of the really cool things about the Dragon's Milk is um, for a long time, at Jungle Gems, we have um, a heck of a craft area for craft beers. Yeah, absolutely. As well as uh, super enthusiasts, uh, you guys along uh, as well. And one of the things that was uh, that we always try to do is people come in and say, this is what beer I'm drinking, what have you, and trying to find something that pairs up with it. Uh, the great thing about the Dragon's Milk, it was the first uh, cigar that kind of made it idiot-proof for a lot of us, is that we tried it and smoked it and it went together perfectly, so we had absolutely no qualms after that. Anything that was dark with those nice roasted malt tastes to it, um, went great with the Dragon's Milk Cigar. Uh, outside of that, IPAs. IPAs, I were saying earlier, a little too bitter. For, um, I, I have a hard time pairing an IPA with a cigar, from what I've found so far. Yeah, me too. IPAs, I mean, if you hit the, like, the triple IPA, what have you, it's going to wreck your palate before you can taste the beer. Right. But if you're hitting something like the um, Dogfish Head 120-minute, uh, that's one of the unicorns that are out there as well. But if you hit a uh, nice uh, cigar, let's say, anything with a nice, rich oak taste to it, I just got flashed, so give me a second. I'll get back to you here. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> we we, we went the wrong We're sitting on the other wrong side of the table. Oh, gracious. Um, yeah, so uh, if you get a, a an IPA that has been brewed uh, to a good point where it starts bringing out more of the sweet notes in the IPA, um, you can start picking up nice cigars. Um, say Alec Bradley Tempest would be a great example. Um, that one just goes with it perfectly. Um, it's just the, the compare the notes um, complement each other as they go through and the IPA does not slam your palate to not being able to taste anything else. Uh, would that, for instance, um, uh, you know, we're trying to bring it back to Cincinnati beer, so right. uh, uh, like the Psychopathies, maybe the Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel. Uh, Imperial, the, uh, uh, you know, um, are those the kind of IP, some stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. The Mount Carmel IPA, uh, the IPAs that they've been putting out actually have some um, really good notes to them without going overly um, insane on the hops. Um, the Psychopathy is one of my favorite beers, but as far as finding a cigar that goes with it, it's been a it's been a challenge to say the least. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's part of the fun, <laughs> though. Is the hunt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the Alec Bradley Tempest with a with a Mount Carmel uh, Imperial IPA is, yeah, uh, is a recommendation of yours. Absolutely. Excellent. And of course, uh, a New Holland oh, Dragon's New Milk or any with the with the Asylum uh, uh, 
New Holland uh, collaboration. Once again, uh, I want to let you know that we're joined by uh, Tom Lazuka uh, from CLE Asylum and Lee Weiser, who is the humidor manager here at uh, Jungle Gyms Fairfield. Uh, we're going to do a little business right now, but we will be back uh, in just a few moments with a little bit more of Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hi everybody, Mike Cisneros here, and as a craft beer lover, you want the same thing I do. The finest in handmade lagers, ales, and stouts. But do you take the time to think about whether the same care and attention has been given to the treats you feed your dog? Well, I'm here to tell you about Brewhouse Dog Bones, made from the same wholesome malted barley that you'll find in the delicious beers from many of Cincy's finest craft breweries. Brewhouse Dog Bones are handmade in small batches using just three additional natural ingredients, peanut butter, organic eggs, and brown rice flour. So you know your best friend is enjoying almost the same great craft experience that you do. And Brewhouse Dog Bones are not only good for your dog, they're good for our community because they offer real-world training and a work co-op experience for developmentally disabled young adults ages 18 to 22 through the New Richmond, Sycamore, Marymount, and Oak Hill school districts. Brewhouse Dog Bones are available in the distinctive brown paper sacks with the red dog bone at some of Cincy's finest craft tap rooms, including Mount Carmel Brewing Company, Listerman Triple Digit Brewing in Cincinnati, and Old Firehouse Brewing in Williamsburg and great pet stores like Newtown Feed and Supply and Earthwise Pet Supply in Montgomery. For more information about Brewhouse Dog Bones, to carry Brewhouse in your tap room or pet store, or to find out how your school district can participate in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, just contact Lisa Graham by visiting www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Again, craft beer fans, Mike Cisneros here, and on the next edition of Cincy Brewcast, we'll get back to our roots and a little nostalgic. You see, it's our 25th episode, marking our six-month anniversary, and the gnarly gnome, Tina, and yours truly will sit down and talk about the last half year, including our favorite moments, comments from some of our guests, including Dan Listerman, Mike Dewey, Scott LaFollette, and Richard Dubay. Plus, we'll pull some classic favorites from the beer fridge as we discuss some of our favorite brews from the last six months. We'll also talk about our future and what you can expect from us over the next half year as we strive to continue to be the voice of Cincy Craft. And we'd like to hear from you. Visit the Contact Us page at www.cincybrewcast.com, tweet us at Cincy Brewcast, or post on our Cincy Brewcast Facebook page. Leave your questions and comments about how we can better serve the Cincinnati craft beer community and what we can do to be your favorite audio source for craft beer news, commentary, and the brewers themselves in their own words. So join us Labor Day Monday night, September 7th at 8 p.m. live worldwide on Periscope TV with our podcast posting within hours for the 25th episode of Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette from Blank Slate Brewing in Cincinnati, and you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Mike Cisneros, once again, back with you, uh, along with a gnarly gnome. Uh, we are at the Jungle Gyms Annual Cigar Festival at the Jungle Gyms Complex here in Fairfield, Ohio. 
And uh, we are fortunate enough to be joined by uh, Lee Weiser, the uh, humidor manager at uh, Jungle Gyms uh, Fairfield here, and also a very special guest, Tom Lazuka from CLE Asylum Cigars, who has presented us with a their collaboration with New Holland Brewing Company, the Dragon's Milk Asylum. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the cigar, a little, a little bit about the wrapper and so forth and so on. And well, it's a Nicaraguan Puro. So it's a Habano wrapper. We use Esteli Jalapa fillers in the inside of it. So it gives it a, a nice richness and uh, a nice spice too with that Habano wrapper. Dominican, oh, go ahead. So that's gonna be, construction-wise, that sounds similar to this Perdomo with the, uh, the Cuban seed and then the uh, the Nicaraguan filler and binder on the so. Yeah. I, I always used to think uh, Dominican cigars were the bomb, and I still think there's a few of them out there that are really fantastic. Uh, but man, I find myself smoking a lot more Nicaraguan cigars today than I than I than I ever have. My my brother actually, my brother Richard Cisneros, uh, actually uh, turned me on to him uh, smoking some of the Oliva brands and some some. You know, like the the canes, the cane brand, and the, things like that. And man, they're they're terrific. Uh, what is it? What what what's the difference, if any? What's the, you know, what? I think you know the Nicaraguan soil is it's just a lot uh, more robust tobacco than Dominican tobacco. Dominican's very high in calcium. Most of the tobacco there is going to be more mild to medium. Uh, there's a few companies that 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 are able to grow. A little fuller stuff, you know, like Lito Gomez and, and, you know, the Fuente does the Opus X, which was the first really full-body Puro Dominican cigar. Uh, But for the most part, Dominican tobacco, because they don't grow a lot of wrapper. They're mostly doing their binder and filler and using Ecuadorian Connecticut or Connecticut wrapper on their cigars. Uh, Just tend to make them to be traditionally more mild to medium, which, again, the marketplace is more mild to medium uh, in the whole realm of cigars. Uh, the Nicaraguan and Honduran tobacco uh, just has the, the, the mineral content in the soil is very different and it gives it a much fuller, more robust flavor. So it, it, it's logical to assume that someone that's just starting out or just trying cigars for the first time, uh, you know, or just that prefers a mild smoke would gravitate more toward the Dominican styles and the Dominican brands and then as they sort of graduate up they kind of they kind of gravi- gravitate toward uh, Nicaraguan because it's a little stronger blend a little bit more yeah absolutely uh, yeah. a little bit more oomph to it yeah uh, as the, their palate develops they you know they want to try something a little fuller a little stronger and, and you know you can still find that with some Dominican stuff but you know the market has changed uh, very much over the last eight years uh, the, the you know the Nicaraguan market we own farms in Honduras and we have our own factories there since 1962 uh, but the reality is, you know, the, there's a big political change that happened mm-hmm. a, a number of years back where Honduras, you know, was producing about 90 million cigars a year. Nicaragua was still hovering around 45 million cigars a year. Uh, and when the political environment changed uh, there... Uh, in Honduras. In Honduras, right. uh, you, you saw the big change because, uh, again, the Honduras wasn't the safest place to be. A lot of manufacturers started moving into Nicaragua, and when when, when the president kind of got ousted out of Honduras, and these new people came in, they started promising be, big pay increases and all these things, and all of a sudden, the cost of doing business in Honduras went way up 
and it's more expensive to make cigars in Honduras than the Dominican or Honduras or Nicaragua now. So a lot of people just moved, you know, an hour and a half in a car ride to Esteli and started producing. And obviously, Padron's been there, and, and Oliva and, and Nick Perdomo, and they have been there for many years. But now you're seeing a lot of new people, and even myself went over. Uh, and started making, uh, you know, most of the asylum stuff comes out of Nicaragua. Uh, we do do some of it out of Honduras too, and and I still love the Honduran tobacco. I like that that rich kind of earthy flavor, but very spicy. We tend to specialize in, in authentic Corojo tobacco uh, that Christian. I love Corojo, by the way. Yeah. I don't think there's enough of it. No, you know, there's a lot of hybrid stuff. Right. You know, we use the specific authentic Cuban seed. Uh, that was used in Cuba for many years, uh, from 1930 to 1997, and the boom kind of created this hybrid uh, trend because Cuba couldn't produce enough uh-huh. tobacco. Uh, the authentic Corojo seed would only yield about 900 to 1,000 pounds per acre, very small leaves, maybe 50% could be used as wrapper, and as a tobacco farmer, uh, wrapper's where your money's at. So right, right. Uh, Cuba went away right to using hybrid called Corojo 97, uh, which was a hybrid. They only kept it for about three years, and then they went to Havana 2000s or the Habano wrappers that pretty much everyone's using today are these uh, other hybrids, and, and, you know, they yield 2,200 pounds per acre. So as a right. farmer, it's much, you know, it's and so you've really seen a change since the, the last boom in the mid-'90s. Uh, well, and, and down tobacco. in Cuba, they're always trying to make they're always trying to make quota or better their quota, you know. Well, so. it, it, you know, <laughs> I mean, Cuba's a, a different animal. You know what I mean? Right, I, I right. think uh, you know, there's a lot of people who import them here illegally or right, wh- whatever, right. which is fine. I mean, they're, they're cigar fans and they do what they do. Uh, but I, I think the the quality in Honduras, Nicaragua, and the Dominican is uh, is so good these days that. Uh, uh, if when the Cuban market's open, they're not going to be able to compete with us. Really? Because that was going to be my next question to both of you and throw it both open. What happens when the Cuban onslaught comes in? I, I mean, and there's already a ton of counterfeits. There's already a ton of, of, of you know, real you know, real shady dealings going on with some of the, you know, some of the Cuban cigars, people paying hundreds of dollars for stuff that's not even close to being a general, genuine article. But uh, that's really, it's, it's really interesting to think that they're not going to be able to, to compete. I, well, because I, I think what happens is they're going to compete very early, correct, in the U.S. market. Uh, because, again, I think it's going to bring another boom to, to the industry. It's going to be a lot of people who don't necessarily smoke cigars, but go, hey, Cubans are available, let's go try Let's go try a Cuban cigar. So you're gonna have this, I think, influx of new smokers. A lot of the Cuban cigars, they're already getting them now, so they're already smoking them. So the existing customer, I don't think all of a sudden switches. Uh, I think price point's a big key to it because the average price sweet spot in the US, 85% of cigars are under $10. So there's probably not gonna be very many Cuban cigars that fall under $10. So if you have a higher price point cigar, you'll probably have more competition. Uh, but as we see in the European markets today, uh, the Canadian markets, uh, Cuba used to own 70% of the market, Davidoff owned 20, and everybody else got 10. Well, now it's 50-50. You know, Davidoff still owns a good perf- percentage, uh, but Cuba's only 50% of the market in the European countries, and, and the non-Cubans are 30% now. So uh, because 
and as when I travel over there, and we have our own distribution company in Germany that distributes to to you know we just opened uh, we're working on Spain now we opened uh, the Netherlands Germany uh, Switzerland Sweden Austria you know France uh, so we're expanding our lines over there, and what they're telling me is is, is that the the price keeps going up on Cubans the quality keeps going down, and that's what's driving the market to more of our stuff so. Uh, if the American market's open and demand's really, really high for Cuban cigars, uh, I, I think you'll see more uh, 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 more cigars coming into the U.S. I, I don't know if what their production capabilities are to be able to keep up with the demand of the U.S. market, but I think it's just going to open up more of the European market and Asian markets for us to expand at, at those places too. So it's not going to be a bad thing for uh, I think for any of us. And, and go ahead. I was gonna say, as a um, retailer here at Jungle Gems stateside, um, one of the biggest things that we've seen is recently uh, Nicaragua had passed uh, Cuba on accolades for the tobacco coming or the cigars being put out. Um, I have people coming in all the time that are asking for Cuban cigars, but the dynamics, the flavor profiles, uh, my personal love for Nicaraguan cigars. It's good to talk to people all the time. This is what a Cuban tastes like. This is what a Cuban's like. And by all means, when it comes to the market, try one. Not a problem. But I'm almost, I feel wholeheartedly that even as people try the Cuban cigars, they're going to end up switching back over to like the Nicaraguan cigars or um, a particular cigar that you don't see too many Maduros coming out of Cuba. And so one of my, one that Tom happens to make and that I love myself is uh, the CBT, which is a Maduro pu uh, Puro. Right. And it's just, again, you get to those nice roasty cocoa espresso notes and that's just not a tobacco and not a cigar that you would ever get from Cuba. So, um, as with beer, because uh, you guys are stout fans, and I'm a stout fan, yeah. um, the Dragon's Milk Raspberry is uh, one that I happen to love myself when you get to the fruit and the stout together. It's just, you see the complexity of the American palate is far above what anybody over in Cuba is anticipating. Um, if I heard right, a lot of my um, reps, and Tommy probably know this, is that the view on the American cigar smoker by the Cuban uh, blenders is that we don't have as sophisticated as palates as we they, as they think we do. Or, I'm sorry. As, as we think we do. As we think we do. <laughs> I, actually, I would say any time. I think the American palate is absolutely stellar. The uh, different profiles, the different blends, some of the hybrid leaves coming out has just really opened up the market into ways that you had never seen 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah, the Cubans will have an influence on it, and I think it will drive some people to a little bit more of that creamy profile coming from the Dominican. Um, so it may actually be beneficial to Dominican uh, tobacco at that point, but I don't think the Cubans got it anymore. About 2005, um, after 2005, it's just kind of been a continuous dip for them. And and trying to keep up with the inevitable demand that you, that you talked about, uh, Tom, is going to drive their quality down even more. Yeah, I think, uh, and you know, I don't know their capabilities. I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, again, it's a small area where they grow the tobacco and, and you know, obviously the, the, their production capabilities are what they are. So, uh, and, and again, I, I think price point is going to dictate a lot of it. Sure. You know, what, what they come into the U.S. market, the, the U.S. market, uh, again, if you're going to be at a $15 price I point, there's only a few companies you're really going to compete at at that level. I, I've been to Europe a couple of times, and I simply refused. <laughs> I simply said, I walked into the shop, saw that it was 17, 18, 19, 25, 30 euro for a, cigar and i'm like not even not even close i'm not even gonna, i'm not gonna pay that i won't pay that here i you know i've never had a 
Fuente Opus X because I'm not going to pay that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and there's very few cigars that I've ever had that that are worth that, that I'll that pay it I if Lee tells me to what's that <laughs> I'll pay it if Lee tells me it's good <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Opus is an amazing well, and, then, and, there, and there again see uh, uh, wh- as we sort of talk about craft beer and we, and we talk about cigars and, and kind of try to meld the two worlds together you know that's the importance of having a, a, a shop owner somebody that wh- whether you come to one of the Jungle Gyms locations or whether you have your own place that you like to go uh it's so important to have people in the shop that know cigars because oh. it because it can save you a lot of time and it can save you a lot of money. Oh yeah, you're gonna go ahead and be going through a bunch of cigars. You, I like to my guys here and I, other shops I've been to have done a stellar job. Um, and I'm gonna throw Strauss out there because they've been here for over 100 years in the Cincinnati area, and they do the higher price cigars because that's their clientele. But it's you walk in and you have a good person, a, a good tobacconist behind the counter, can act as your guide, um, learn what you like. One of our biggest questions for our non-cigar smokers coming in for the first time, which lines right up with this, is, well, you've never smoked a cigar before, but have you drank beer? And what's your favorite beer? And so we start working off what profiles and our, what notes you already like off of your beer, and try to match it up with a cigar that you may like that way. So. You got anything over there? I, I feel like I've been hogging the. Hogging I'm, the I'm mic. enjoying the conversation. <laughs> um, let's see. I had something else. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do a little bit more business because we always have a little bit more business to do here on Cincy Brewcast, and uh, we will be right back with uh, Tom Lazuka of CLE Asylum and Lee Weiser of Jungle Gyms uh, Fairfield. Uh, right after this, uh, you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hey, we just wanted to remind everybody that you can follow Cincy Brewcast on all your favorite social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Vine at Cincy Brewcast. You can also subscribe to the show on some of your favorite podcast services like SoundCloud. Just search Mike at Cincy Brewcast and search Cincy Brewcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We are live and interactive worldwide on Periscope TV for Apple and Android. Follow us at Cincy Brewcast. Be sure to check our social media platforms for live show dates and times. A brand new way to interact, you can leave us a Google Voice message at area code 513-601-8785. If we like it, we just might use it on the program. And last but certainly not least, you can send us an email at cincybrewcast at gmail.com or utilize the Contact Us page at www.cincybrewcast.com. Get interactive with the voice of Cincy Craft, Cincy Brewcast. It may be summer, but that just means it's the right time to start thinking about the uniform needs for your fall and winter sports teams. Whether it's new embroidered gear bags for your volleyball club, silk-screened warm-up hoodies for fall baseball, or a hot new look for your basketball team, Eastgate Custom Graphics can work with you to capture your team's unique style. Eastgate Custom Graphics team design experts can help you to stand out from your competitors, and with great brands like Nike, Port Authority, Hanes, and more, ECG has the names your players want to wear. It's also not too early to think about back to school, and ECG has all your spirit wear needs. We have gear from many of the Eastside schools, and if you don't see it, just ask, and Eastgate Custom Graphics will design it for you. 
Eastgate Custom Graphics is located at 4459 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, right next to St. Veronica. Talk to Don Hall or any of the design pros at ECG at 513-528-7944 or visit www.ecgraphicswithanx.com and customize your look today. Eastgate Custom Graphics, the official imprinting and apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast. An answer. No, it's all right. It's a logical question. No! That's out of the question! Pretty random question. That's a good question, Harry. Gentlemen, question mark. Gentlemen, question mark. <laughs> okay, may I ask you a question, Doctor? And, and I don't mean to be insensitive. Can I raise a practical question at this point? Yeah. No question. There has been a breakdown in military discipline aboard this vessel. I blame fish people. That's a good question. I guess I, was, I wasn't really prepared for a follow-up question. And we are back here on Cincy Brewcast, and as you may may or may not know, uh, that uh, leads us right into our question of the week. And we've got a couple of fans out here, and anybody listening over uh, in the festival as well, uh, we've got a question of the week. And, we're giving uh, away free shit. We're going to give away a Cincy Brewcast t-shirt uh, to the first person that can answer this question, and we're also going to give one away uh, to uh, a random respondent on our social media, at Cincy Brewcast on Twitter, uh, Cincy Brewcast Facebook page. Uh, send us an email at uh, cincybrewcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our Contact Us page uh, at uh, www.cincybrewcast.com. And our phone number now, if you want to call and leave us a message, is area code 513-610-8785, and you'll be, uh, pick, we'll pick you up on Google Voice. Well, now you're I asking for it. And the question is this. Well, I hope they, I hope they, I hope they all call in. And the question is this: According to the digital magazine, which I'm a recipient of, Le International Amateur de Cigar, this U.S. president, known for a number of prodigious appetites, also had a serious love for cigars. So much so that he smoked as many as 20 a day. Was this U.S. president A. Calvin Coolidge, B. John F. Kennedy, C. Ulysses S. Grant, or D. Bill Clinton. He's, of course, famous for cigars and meant a couple of different ways. Uh, and uh, again, uh, if you step forward and want to say it on the mic, or uh, if, please, come, please step right up. What's your name, sir? Carl McIntosh. Get in yes. there on that microphone. Get, get right Carl. down in there. And, uh, and, and Carl, who do you think it was? C, Ulysses S. Grant. Absolutely. Ulysses S. Grant, along with his prodigious uh, appetite for liquor. Uh, who I guess it was uh, President Lincoln who famously said, said <laughs> asked, asked what brand he drank so he could buy him a case. He was doing so well in the war. Also smoked up to 20 cigars a day. Uh, Calvin Coolidge, however, was the first president to, there was a, uh, a tradition for many years in the green room uh, to invite heads of state and all the male guests at the White House state dinners back to the green room while the ladies went into some other room to smoke room. cigarettes. It might have been. Uh, he would invite the leaders and the men to come back and drink brandy and smoke cigars in the green room. And that was that tradition was carried on, on and off for many years. It ended with Richard Nixon, unfortunately. And, of course, we all know I, I skirted around the Bill Clinton issue, so to speak. I think it was a blue skirt. Uh, 
And, of course, everybody knows that John F. Kennedy, along with having many of the same appetites as Bill Clinton, also uh, was a, a great consumer of Cuban cigars and laid in a supply of and Cuban cigars. And a great cigars. stockpiler yeah, of yes, Cuban cigars. Yes, laid in a, a, a vast supply of Cuban cigars uh, right before the, uh, the coup d'etat and subsequent embargo. So you will get your shirt. We also have a couple of uh, craft beer uh, stickers from Fibonacci Brewing and Old Firehouse Brewing. And uh, so we'll get that to you here in a second. So uh, right now, uh, once again, we're uh, joined by uh, Tom Lazuka and uh, Lee Weiser. Um, Tom from CLE Asylum, Lee Weiser from uh, Jungle Jim's uh, Fairfield Cigar Program. And um, what's it what's it take to put something like this on? Oh, it takes um, a hell of a team, actually. It's we have our event teams. Uh, April Petri uh, has been my right hand on this entire thing. Our staff has been absolutely amazing. My uh, Tom Lazuka with CLE Cigars. Um, I have 18 other vendors out here um, talking up their cigars. They gave everybody a cigar today to smoke. So it was really just a coordinated effort um, that without everybody, and it was like putting together a puzzle. Um, at the end of it, this is our second day for our first ever uh, cigar festival. So this is unprecedented for us. Um, it was just all those people coming together and having cigar fans out here in the area that have been demanding this for so long, um, it just turned out turned out amazing. It's kind of overwhelmed at some points, but in a good way. You've got, I, I'm go impressed. Ahead. I'm impressed at this event. I, um, you know, Jungle Gems is always known for their their festivals and their events, and it just one after another. It never ceases to amaze me at what they can do. It it it, it blows me away. So, hats off to you. If I, I didn't to. have headphones on, I'd. I do have a confession to make. This is my second favorite festival. Um, <laughs> you know my first. <laughs> Your first is mine. Uh, if you ever get the chance, I'm a spice guy. I uh, love flavor, and so right. we do um, a hot sauce festival once a year as well. So my I, my heart goes to the hot sauce festival, quickly followed by the cigars. And I, because I have to say so, the beer we do um, not the the regular beer ones fun, absolutely fun. But in the winter, we have the um, the bourbon barrel. Right, right, yes. And that is stellar. And it, it should go noted that at all of these festivals, there's, you know, I, I can't say all of them because I've been to all of them. I imagine the health festival doesn't have a nice cigar <laughs> presence. But no, the certainly, like certainly at the at the at the beer festivals, there's a massive cigar presence, and it's it's like a whole other cigar night out there on the patio. So. And uh, there's uh, we just we would be remiss if we didn't mention there was still pl- there's still plenty of time to get out here for those of you uh, viewing live on Periscope. Uh, it's about 410 Eastern Daylight Time goes till seven, goes to seven right? Tonight. Fifty dollars right. at the door, and you really can't go wrong. You're basically getting In a pack. pack full of of six, seven, eight dollar cigars, and maybe even more for basically five dollars a piece. Plus a nice little uh, there was a cutter, and there was a, a nice Jungle Jim's uh, long match uh, mm-hmm. set, and also a uh, a, a tube of uh, of uh, Butane. Butane for your lighter. So, I mean, what a, what a fantastic deal. If, you. if you're a new cigar smoker, an event like this to me is it's so ideal. You can come out here, you can get a nice selection of cigars, talk to the reps, figure out what you like, why you like it, get yourself, run into the store, buy yourself a nice little humidor, and you've got it stocked all ready to go, and... It's 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 perfect. Plus, our, our guys are guys doing deals out here. Are we are we got some deals going on or? Oh yeah. Um. Actually, as we end the event, the last three hours here, we're throwing in an extra cigar on the bag. So anyone coming out, we're doing 11 cigars in the bag instead of 10 right now. Um. And then on the box sales, um, each of our vendors are throwing in additional uh, cigars, anywhere from Tommy, you guys are doing four. 
yeah, we depends on what they buy because some of our box counts are a little bigger. But we're giving away one of our three finger leather cases uh, with each box purchase, which holds up to eighty ring gauge cigars. We're kind of known as yeah. The, I, uh, <laughs> I gotta be I'm, honest. I'm kind of hated because I, I started a trend of really large cigars. And, uh, <laughs> well, they shouldn't hate you. It's just whether people can handle them or not this, I think this I count 60 myself. is a little much for me yeah, i feel I, like an idiot i mean the other manufacturers <laughs> <laughs> who now have to follow and make a bunch of 70 ring gauge that, uh, uh, <laughs> the name escapes me it's wonderful uh of the 770 um, um the, the ogre uh, no uh, okay uh, the ogre <laughs> <laughs> man i'm telling you that was just i i, I found that in in um, in, a, in a cigar shop down in covington and I, I looked at it and I went, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> Two and a half hours later and about four or five beers later, I was like, man, I can't finish this thing. I, th- I met my match. I thought I was a big cigar guy, man. I mean, I thought, you know, the bigger the better. And and it's a good cigar. Don't get me wrong. It, it's a fantastic cigar. But, man, it's like eating it's like eating a pound of salami or something well, like that. You know, it's, it's, like, a, it's a commitment. It's, yeah, like it's one a, way yeah. to put it. I, I, I've had shorter relationships. <laughs> Somebody told a great story last night about commitment. Uh, uh, little boy's walking in the, in the, in the farmyard, and, and, the, and the pig and a chicken are walking behind him. And the little boy turns to the pig and the chicken and says, I went bacon and eggs. Next day, the same thing happens. The boy turns to the pig and the chicken, I went bacon and eggs. Finally, on the third day, the chicken looks at the pig and says, hey, let's just give the kid what he wants. He goes, yeah, well, for, he says to the chicken, the pig says to the chicken, well, for you, it's a nice gesture. For me, it's a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Lame joke. Bad joke. <laughs> it wouldn't be Cincy Brewcast um, without it. <laughs> almost what I like to call a Boy Scout joke, but it's completely different. Um, where do you think the cigar industry is going? Uh, you know, we've got a lot on our plate right now with, with all the smoking bans and taxation issues. And the biggest thing on our plate right now is uh, the FDA, Obama. Uh, so uh, willingly gave up uh, control of tobacco to the FDA. Uh, one of the first things he did once he got into the office, and now FDA has decided they're going to uh, regulate our industry. So, as an industry, we're spending a lot of money and time uh, up in D.C. and Capitol Hill, uh, presenting our case to FDA. What makes us different? Because we tend to get lumped in with cigarettes all the time, and the uh, domestic cigars, which. You know, there's 18 million cigars sold in the U.S. Uh, every year, and we're only 300 million of that 18 uh, billion. 17.7 billion are domestic cigars, which are less than six pounds of tobacco per thousand. Which are things like the Swisher Sweets, Swisher Sweets, uh, you know, and the Backwoods, and, the, and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with them if you like them and there's smoke them. There's something wrong with them. But, 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 uh, and that's what I've always. Well, it, As an advocate, advocate for cigars and for craft beer and for products that are handmade, cared about, natural, you know, I mean, cigars, handmade cigars, Noam and I were talking before you guys stopped by, that it, it's probably one of the last really handmade products. I mean, there's not a lot, I mean, short of rolling them on the thighs of, of Cuban versions, you know, like they, like they used to say. Um, yeah, well, it, I always tell everyone, watch what you wish for, because they yeah. have a lot of male rollers, too. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and so is that what you're trying when, you, when you're dealing with Washington? Is that what you're trying to... 
Well, we're tr- you know we're we're not trying to put anything bad about the domestics. They have a great business. They they cater to a completely different clientele that which we do. And our point is to really show a separation of uh, our price points. You know who smokes our cigars, the demographics. You know when they talk about you know when you see FDA come out of the study and say uh, more kids are smoking cigars, where they're not smoking premium hand rolled cigars. They're smoking anything. They're smoking domestic products, um, and so it you know flavors. You know, they come out with all the flavors, and, and I think you'll see flavors disappear. FDA is definitely going to put, uh, I, I think, a damper on that style thing. Uh, but they will really want a, a control, a, a registration process where, you know, uh, it can be three and 350000 to a million dollars per size uh, of every cigar that we make. And the registration process alone is bigger than our industry. <laughs> you know, uh, the premium cigar industry is uh, less than a billion dollars a year at wholesale in our country. You know, it's uh, it's two billion dollars a year at retail. Uh, the registration cost for every product that exists right now in the premium market would be more expensive than our entire industry produces in a year. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're trying to make that point. I think there's going to be some type of registration. Uh, you know, I, I hope that they really do understand the difference between our products. And, and they definitely have come out and said, listen, they understand we're different. Uh, we have a lot of people, whether it's Christian, my partner, going up. Uh, he, he just met with FDA a few weeks back uh, himself in front of a panel. Uh, I know Rocky Patel and the Drew Estate guys, Marvin and CRA. Uh, we have CAA. We have all these groups working uh, to really separate us from uh, the domestic side and the uh, cigarette side. So, you know, I think they're starting to understand the difference and we just hope when they come down with the decision, it's beneficial to us. Um, you know, they've came out with deeming regulation last year that said uh, anything over $10 would be unregulated. Well, that eliminates 85% of all premium cigars. So there's a lot, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're obviously working on them. You know, attorney, I believe that violates interstate commerce, so they can't actually put a price on it, or we'll end up in a lawsuit with them. So we'll we'll see what happens, you know. I mean, there's a lot. I think they're understanding. They're trying to, uh, they're listening to us. We've hired a lot of people that came from the FDA side, from uh, Office of Management and Budget, and the whole thing that goes into it, because it's, it's amazing that it's not just cigars. It's about how many jobs it affects in the United States, you know, we're trying to make a clear case that it's going to affect the Central American communities, uh, you know, Honduras, Nicaragua, dr- dramatically if, if, if they put something into place. At a time when our government really needs those people to be our friends, at a time when we really need to be supporting Central Central and Northern South America and the player, the, you know, the major players that are in it, and even Cuba for that matter. I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean, you know, uh, 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 high tide floats all ships. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if the Obama administration is actually telling the Cuban government that they're going to be massively regulated if they do open the market. <laughs> they might be pleasantly, yeah, they unpleasantly might be, surprised yes. when, when, when they arrive in the U.S. market. So what does all this do for retail? Uh, the retail side of it. Sorry. On the but, retail, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was gonna say on the retail side of it is uh, Tom said, but 85% of the cigars with uh, Jungle Gems, our average cigar that goes out to a customer is seven dollars. So when they were initially trying to do the ten dollar thing, um, it would have wiped out. How I'd say probably about 95% of our business in a heartbeat. Um, and we employ uh, quite a few people in their cigar department, so that would be job loss there. Um, we just kind of <laughs> keep talking. Get my mic. <laughs> All right, so um, good there. All right, <laughs> get my mic. Fixed. It's our roadie. Thank pausing. you very much. Come on, go with the flow, Lee. You can't so come, keep, keep it moving, kid. Oh, no. <laughs> um, just basically, it's just if the regulations come down and they're not favorable to the cigar smoker, um, as well as the industry itself, I think it's probably going to kill something that's really just been um, on the rise the last few years. Um, say we have plenty of service members. Uh, they were over in Iraq, a lot of them that were over in Afghanistan. And the entire time that they were over there, alcohol is uh, completely right, forbidden. Right. No. So we have a lot of service members that the time that they take, the peace that they make, and the bonding that they do with uh, their, their fellow soldiers, their fellow uh, Marine, uh, Marines, uh, what have you, is just it's – if they regulate it too harshly, it's going to – excuse my language – it's going to be pissing on a lot of people in a way that's unfortunate because there's a lot of bonds. Even on, uh, every Thursday, we do our cigar events. And I will tell you, uh, the economic, or the, the economics of each person that's back there. The, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Eco-social. Uh, the socioeconomic, yeah. Right. You know, it's a wide, yeah, it's a wide range. Right. Of, of of people that enjoy this, same, and it's exactly the same as craft beer. There's a wide range of people that, and and one of the things that I find about people that enjoy uh, fine handmade cigars and craft beer is they like. And will pay for quality, mm-hmm. uh, no matter whether they're uh, work at McDonald's or whether they're a CEO of a multi-million-dollar company, a multi-billion-dollar company. Right. If it's good, they'll pay the money for it and they'll buy it, and that and that's true. A seven-dollar fantastic smoke, it can't be beat. I and mean, it really the, can't. It's one of the uh, only hobbies that I've ever come across that you have a president from a company sitting down with a kid that's a freshman in college and somebody like I was at one point um, working as just a barista at Starbucks. There's no other type of setting where those three types of people are going to sit down and open up a discourse that is going to flow evenly because you have that shared bond and it's a continued passion for the cigars that continue to grow that culture and to help build that society. So when things, when we have everything going with uh, you have the one percenters, you have the people on the bottom, you have all of these people that don't really have a chance to create a community and really express what they need in their lives. But cigars um, creates that kind, of, uh, that kind of culture so that we can talk freely about what problems ail us on each level all the way through. And it gives us a chance to understand each other, which I think is absolutely stellar. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, uh, I don't mean to c- cut you off, but, you know, the cigar community is probably one of the most generous communities uh, are around. And, and I think what people fail to realize is that the amount of charity work, the amount of uh, functions that we donate cigars to, you know, in my own company, we're building schools uh, in Honduras now to, to help these kids get bilingual uh, and get uh, a higher education, you know, uh, Arturo Fuente has been doing it for years. They have their family charitable foundation that helps these kids get out, uh, get educated. Uh, and then all the local charity stuff that we do throughout the years to raise money for whatever it is w- w- without any, you know, we, we do it without any real uh, need for to be 
promote it as you know we just right. do it because that's right, what we exactly. do we want to help people and it's a huge community and if they really do uh, put it to us with the FDA there's a lot of charities and a lot of people who, who are going to suffer because uh, uh, of decisions made by the government so what can people do uh, well, right now, there's not a lot uh, on the plate. You know, the the FDA, the deeming regulation period is passed, so everyone could have put in their, you know, there was a time you could send your emails into the FDA and, and give your opinions of how it will affect you personally in, in these things. Uh, so they had to go through every single one of those emails and respond, whether for our side or against us. Uh, you know, one of the things, you know, it, it really comes down to the decision now. When Are there any that. any lobbying groups or anything that... Yeah, I mean, we have, obviously, CRA uh, is a lobbying group. CAA is a huge lobbying group for us. Uh, IPCPR, our, our trade, our trade, you know, uh, our big international pipe and cigar retailers association uh, has their own lobbying groups, and they've hired people right from... FDA, who, who worked under Obama at FDA from the Office of Management and Budget, uh, you know, we have quite a few people, experts that we brought in to really help us uh, battle this. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's no long-term studies done on premium cigars. Everything FDA has come at us with has included domestic product, which is only six pounds of tobacco per thousand. Uh cigars so we're very different i mean you know my 80 ring gauge cigars are 105 pounds of tobacco per thousand so wow. you know and they're all tobacco there's no additives there's no uh, homogenized wrappers there's none of that stuff and chemical in it uh, additional things added to it so uh you know that's one of our defenses is there's no long-term studies and they cannot put us out of business without having good Factual, you know, scientific data, and, and that's and is that it may sound a little bit hyperbolic, but is that really what it comes down to? That you that that a lot of the cigar manufacturers of hand rolled premium product would be out of business, or is at the very least you're telling us that it's it, the the business itself will be very different. Yeah, I mean, listen, it would put most of us out of business because right now they have something called the uh, 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 April of 2007 when Obama gave control of FDA. So it's a predication date that FDA right now says, okay, anything before April of 2007 uh, would be exempt. Uh, but there's a lot of new products in the market. My company didn't start till 2012, uh, so we would be forced to go under the registration process. So anything older than uh, predates 2007 uh, would be fine. So, you know, there would be cigars that make it. It would eliminate a huge chunk of, you know, it would completely destroy my business and put me out of business. Um, you know, we're working to get the predication date changed. FDA says... Well, it takes an act of Congress to do that. I don't believe that so much, but uh, but we're working to do that now. So we have that put into the, the bill, uh, the, the budget, uh, which the president cannot line item veto. So we hope he's not going to veto the budget based off predication date. So predication date now is going to, we're hoping to get pushed back to the date that they make the decision. So it could be in three months, it could be tomorrow, it could be in a year. Uh, 
So that would obviously save us, and then any new products after that we're, are going to have registration. So there, there's a lot that can happen. Uh, I, I, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to uh, educate FDA on uh, on our industry and, and what's happening, and we'll see what happens. You know, and if they come down hard on us, uh, you know, we're ready to go to go to war, and we'll see them in court. <laughs> and again, we we don't. We don't want to get political on this program. We don't really ever get political on this program. But a lot of times, too, all it comes down to is who you vote for. And I think that you can, I think, I think without drawing too many political conclusions, you can imagine those people who are interested in having a strong cigar industry in this country. Uh, you can, uh, you can kind of imagine who the people are that are interested in small business craft business and so forth and so on and you can kind of tell from a distance those that are not and so all we would say is people should vote accordingly if they're interested in craft beer hand premium hand rolled cigars wines uh small batch liquors uh well and, and i know. think it really boils down to a couple simple things uh one, one of them doesn't matter if it's cigars or you know, craft breweries or, or whatever industry you're in is right now we're on the chopping block. And, and, and the true thing is it's about freedoms. We are a legal product that is sold to people, to adults, of, to adults, uh, adults yes. that buy our products and they're trying to eliminate us. And so we're here. We might be the next guys eliminated, uh, but whatever you do, whatever your job is, guess what the government your job might be next. So, you know, I want people to understand that just because they don't agree with maybe cigars or, or what we do, once these lobbyists are done with us, they don't quit. They, right, they lobby right. for something else, and they're right. going to come after something else. And right now it's probably Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola who are the, the soda industry who's next because we're running into their lobbyists when we're in D.C., and right. they're sitting there, and we're like, we're the next tobacco is what they're telling us uh -huh. because they're going to sink That's them too. Yeah. You know, so, uh, it, you know, it, it's gonna, they're going to do something that affects everybody at some point, and it's all about freedoms. Do we want to be a free country and have freedoms to make adult decisions? And that's what it comes down to in the end to me. Uh, you know, it's about not just about cigars. It's about our freedoms as American citizens to make our own decisions as adults. I don't think I can add anything to that. I don't. It's, I don't know if you can add anything to that. Tough, tough to follow that up. Uh, and and um, I don't think we're going to try, gentlemen. Tom Lazuka, CLE Asylum. Thank you very much. Thanks for the cigar. It's been very enlightening. A real inside look at the cigar business. And of course, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for uh, Lee Weiser, the humidor manager of uh, Jungle Jim's Fairfield uh, Cigar Store, and the or one of the organizers behind this terrific event. The uh, Jungle Jim's annual cigar festival, the first annual. Now you're telling me. First so, annual. can we come back next year? <laughs> More than you guys have showed up in spades, so we'll be happy. To I do mean, it again. Uh, and uh, and because uh, uh, we really enjoyed ourselves, it's been a terrific uh, program. Uh, it's great to meet you guys. We're so proud and honored, and uh, and and that's that's about all I've got. Noam, do you got anything else? The normal, the gnarlygnome.com. The gnarlygnome.com. Don't forget to visit www.cincybrewcast.com uh, for highlights of this show 
And don't forget to join us uh, next week. We'll have our 25th anniversary show. The Gnome Tina will be back with us. Uh, Angie, our social media director. And we'll be talking about old times. You've been listening to Cincy Broadcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> <laughs>